0: Christmas everyone and welcome to Church and Other Drugs. Thanks for listening. I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday week. And like I said last week, I know holidays are tough for people. They were for me for a long time. So please reach out to me or anyone if you're having a rough time. I will just listen. I'll talk to you. I'll tell you everything's going to be all right. I'll do whatever I can. To make sure you have a Merry Christmas. Today, I don't want to spend too much time on the uh, pre-ramblings, but today we got Dave, old friend Dave from Dopey, and me and him just talk about everything, just two friends catching up. Um, Oh, and on Patreon this week, I did my first of two, me and Brandon, if you remember, Brandon, him and his wife Maris have been on a couple times, uh, but we talk about Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, so go on over to Patreon to check that out. I think next week, me and Tyler, because I'm going to see it again, and I think my opinion's going to change after second viewing. I think we'll do a uh, another recap on that. Uh, and speaking of Patreon, I want to welcome Radik Stetler. Radik Stetler? Maybe Radik. Radic or Radic, let me know if I'm saying it right, but thank you so much for joining, enjoy the bonus episodes, and uh, I'll try to, if you're on Facebook, I'll try to find you and invite you to the group, and I guess I never really make an appeal for it, but I really, really do appreciate all the patrons. Um, if you like what you hear, it really means a lot to me to support it uh, financially, God, I feel like a pastor now, but for real, it's, I mean, the the money I've gotten for Patreon really just helps me uh, keep up with the web hosting, um, and then, you know, it saved, like, my wife's car a couple times. I mean, just, it it really, really, really means a lot to me, um, so I, I really do appreciate it, and I just wanted y'all to know that, but if that's something that interests you, you get bonus episodes and access to the Facebook group, uh, patreon.com slash drugs. And without too much ado, let's get to uh, me and Dave's conversation. Um, I'm probably taking next week off. I'm going to South Carolina to visit the fam. So, Merry Christmas, you guys, and enjoy. What what is your technique?
1: I well, what I always did was I hit I hit the speaker button on the phone and I held it up to the microphone. That was the technique.
0: I, dude, that's uh, I've done that before. Yeah, I did that probably because of you. But I I have done that. It's just like so irritating.
1: <laughs> no, but then my friend was like, "Dude, that technique you yeah, need it a sucks." Yeah, sucks. No, so then he 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 researched and he found me this thing, and it's a Bose Mini speaker. That's like it's like a, it's like a Bluetooth speaker phone. Okay. Okay. So I hold now. I hold the Bose Mini speaker up to the mic.
0: Oh, so you're that's how I you're it. still just straight doing it like you just call people on your phone and you're recording it through a like yeah yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah. You you have listen here, Mister Top Ten Podcast of all time. You need to like, maybe you should. I mean, fuck if it ain't if it ain't broken, don't fix it. I guess.
1: Well, listen. Um, first of all, it was the top ten podcast that nobody's ever listened to. You know, it what? wasn't the top ten podcast. It was it was the top ten podcast that nobody's ever heard of. That was what the list was. Well, and the- it was it was the top hundred. I think we were number. 28 out of the top 50 of podcasts nobody's ever heard. Well, what does that mean?
0: Didn't you get? I thought you also got like top 20 of health and wellness for like the year.
1: Oh, yeah. No, dude, we got top 10. Top 10? That's, po- that's Podbean. That's in Podbean's category of health and fitness. Oh, so, I mean, it's okay. like, come on, you know, man, come on. You know, like, who does your hosting?
0: Uh, Dude, we're still with SoundCloud.
1: <laughs> Exactly. I mean, it's like, do you have a category?
0: I don't even know. Like, if I could if I could go back and start over, I'd probably use Podbean or like Anchor seems kind of cool. I, don't, I think our Anchor's category good. is spirituality. Anchor's
1: good cause they. Alright, well, I mean, Podbean doesn't have a spirituality. Uh, they, you know, when we started, we did it as comedy. And then for years, we were a comedy until one day... I think Chris said to me, uh, I think we'd do better if we were self-help. And I said, yeah, and it would be really funny. It would be comedy if we were self-help. So we changed it to self-help. And then iTunes eliminated self-help. So they created alternative health.
0: So we did alternative
1: health. Yeah, Uh, we did alternative health. And then fucking, um, and then Podbean didn't have alternative health so I had to choose health and fitness which is like the least accurate description of what dopey is is health and fitness
0: yeah I I think I think yeah well what would be the least accurate description probably like probably like sports (laughs) would probably be a good one
1: right right although the last episode I had my friend on I've had two sporting things in a row I had the dude, this dude who was a linebacker on the Philadelphia Eagles in the eighties, and I had my friend who handicaps uh, sporting games for betting websites.
0: That's so that's fucking pretty. Hilarious. That's
1: that's our. Have you? That's our foray into sports. Having you had Chris
0: Heron on? Am I making that up?
1: Yeah. No, we had Chris Heron and we had Lenny Dykstra. Was those was, are two good pros?
0: Was and I, I can't remember if I listened to it. Was he
1: cool, Chris? Chris Heron, he was he was great. Yeah, he was great. He was like he was way better than I expected. Um, and he was like a pro. You know, he's a pro. Like he's an amazing talker, and um, I felt totally disconnected from him. But then, like, kind of halfway through the interview, he like he became connected, and it was like it was good. People, really, it was a good episode. Yeah, those dude interviewing. Yeah, because
0: we've been—I brought that up because we've been showing his video to like, uh, or I've been showing the the kids at rehab his video because his um—it's not thirty for thirty, but it's something similar to that. It's
1: really good. But yeah, they it, did. He did thirty for thirty, and then he did his own show called um, the, the it was like the—it's not the last day, but it's something like that. The the worst day or the first day or something. Okay, do you know anything about that? No, he had some new movie. Where instead of the worst day, it's about the first day. I don't know. I've been trying to get him back on the show and he's way too big time for me now, but hopefully one day I'll find out what this rhyming film he has too big time. Who
0: who is even I mean, dude, you're let's let's go into jealousy mode, right? Like you're not too Oh,
1: come on. (laughs) It's it's been a
0: crazy year for you though, right? I mean it's been a good year. You had the you had the dopey con.
1: Dude, Dopeycon was the thing. Yeah, tell DopeyCon me about was it. The thing. Dopeycon was the first ever uh, our first live event. You know, we talked about doing live events since we started, and um, and then basically, uh, you know, everything with Dopey is all born in fear, Jed. If you didn't know that about me, and um, the fucking. DopeyCon was, over the summer, I felt like the wave of this American lifedom had ended. And I felt like the listenership was dropping. And I said to myself, let's get a live event together before it's done completely. <laughs> you know, that was my, that was why we did DopeyCon, because I was scared it was going to be over. Was there even any like, evidence oh. of that, though? Well, I mean, if you're born with a neurotic Jewish brain, then evidence like that is everywhere. You look in the mirror and you see evidence, man. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, you kidding. kidding? know, I mean, the evidence was like one week. I, I'm crazy. I mean, that was something that Chris would often tell me. If I ever saw a discrepancy, like a negative discrepancy in downloads, I would talk about it. I would panic. And, uh, and that's what, I mean, you do, because like, the This American Life thing was the biggest thing, you know. you know, in terms of our reach, This American Life reached millions of people. Yeah. So it, it really caused our show, our, our listenership to jump a ton, you know, like I think uh, I think a thousand people joined the Dopey Nation fan group after this American life and, uh, and 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 the listenership doubled or something, you know, or quadrupled or I don't know, it was a huge jump and and I was always ready for it to stop. and And the fact is there was a huge spike, the show aired in February and in the beginning of the spring, the listenership was bigger than it was by the summer. But it was still okay. But I was worried that it was just going to keep dropping off. So I was like, let's do a dopey Con while we can. And the rehab that I had met Chris at, this place called Mountainside, uh, hosted it. And um, it, was so, it was just like, it was a billion times better than I could have imagined it. Because it was like 100 people who love Dopey. Who listened to Dopey, most of like I'd say most of whom were in recovery. And um and we had a bunch of speakers and friends of the show, and like Linda was there, and my dad was there, and friends were there. A long and I met so many long time listeners. I begged you to go. You're Dude, like, Fuck I know. That, man. You well, you literally
0: gave me like forty days notice.
1: Weeks. Dude, that's yeah, it's a long time for me. <laughs> 40 that is days? not is that-
0: for me, man. And Didn't like,
1: Noah have it forty days to build his ark or whatever? Isn't forty? What is that's that? You true. Could rain for forty days. That's a long time. Forty yeah. days of raining flood of the earth. Dude, that right? one.
0: Yeah. So the next one, let me know well in advance, and, and and I'm there for sure. Would
1: you be more apt to go to California or New York?
0: Um, what part of California?
1: Southern California.
0: Yeah, probably that, because I've got friends over there.
1: Because I'm flirting with the idea of the second DopeyCon being in Southern California.
0: Like at aloe or something?
1: Maybe. I I, mean, I don't know if they have a big enough room, uh, or as Chris would say, a big enough rum. Rum? But, rum? Um, yeah, man. The old rum and coke. Um, <laughs> fucking... That was my favorite thing, because Chris, if anyone who's listening doesn't remember that Chris, my co-host who tragically relapsed and overdosed and died, couldn't say the word room. So to he save would say his rum, life. Could
0: not say it.
1: And I would say, he'd be like, do you want to go up to the rum and have, have a glass of rum with me? And he never thought that was particularly funny. No, but they want to... I'm trying to get Aloe to put something together. A ton of dopey people who are in California didn't come out. And I would, I mean, it would be an excuse to go there. And it would be... You know, I, I think... I think live events with Dopey would be a, a smart way to move forward because it does create this sort of community. It yeah. is entertaining. Like, we charged like five bucks a ticket, and like it was a lot of entertainment for five bucks.
0: Oh, yeah. And,
1: um, and it was a lot of fun, you know, it was really, it was really like very moving and beautiful to me, like, deeply.
0: Yeah, if you if you yeah if you do it like during the summer in Southern Cal, I could probably even get like John to come too because he lived in um, San Diego like for a long time. I think that's where he's from.
1: Okay, but he lives out here. I bet he'd be more apt to go to a New York New York one though. He's in North Carolina, right?
0: He's in South Carolina. Yeah, and like I've never been to New York, so that's also a good excuse. Really, if I have like enough advance notice i'll make it happen so like i'll, I'll, I'll make well, that promise here and now
1: i'm not good at advanced long-term planning we i think we planned it i think we planned it and executed it in basically the same time that i had told you about it which is crazy
0: like, which is crazy <laughs> well, i wish i could know, it's it, it's i guess it's really it's really just like financial it's like i just couldn't afford like a plane ticket and to come off like on that uh, or to take off work in that short amount of time.
1: Of course. You know, I mean, that was the thing. We did it, but we did do it on a Friday night. But I guess, do you work weekends? Uh,
0: I mean, I can ask off. Uh, yeah, I work like Tuesday to Saturday. But I can ask off. Once again, it's just got to be like, the timing's got to be right.
1: There'll be another one. I, in my in my imagination, I wanted to start doing them monthly, but not necessarily as like dopey convention. I wanted to do it like it was like you know the moth on NPR the storytelling thing. Mm-hmm. They like so I wanted it to be like once a month you go to a dopey con or maybe it would just be a live dopey and you and you go to a place and people tell fucked up drug stories as like an entertainment thing you know. Were you were that you, was the idea?
0: Were you able to like was it were you able to give like Facetime to everyone that came and all that? Was that weird or strange? Yeah. Were there any weird encounters?
1: Well, um, mostly, no. Mostly, I was able to give FaceTime to everybody, and uh, it was incredibly beautiful. There was one dude um, from, from actually from California who was like an oddball, uh, but he was very sweet. But he kind of had that vibe that he might kill me uh, the <laughs> next day or something. Well, he's trying to like, he invite
0: also, you into an alley somewhere like, hey, come smell he this rag in my car?
1: He did. He inv- Well, he invited me the next day to uh, to do his podcast, and he was like a little odd. He was he was pretty odd, but I did it. I went and I met him to do the podcast, and uh, and I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm meeting this guy. He might kill me. So make sure you you rem- you note this to the police that I had a feeling <laughs> that this might be the end of me." Um, but it turned out he was a lovely guy, and and uh, we hung out in the park, and I bought I actually bought him a. I bought him lunch after we did his podcast. It was nice. Nice. Um, did, so no. So everybody was cool for the moment you
0: have post um event depression.
1: Well, I mean, that's another thing about me, and I don't know if this is how you deal with stuff in recovery, but it's how I've always dealt with stuff in recovery, which is I try to keep as many things happening as possible. So that you that.
0: never experience it. <laughs>
1: yeah basically like oh. I, have, I have I try I try to have as many things happening as possible all the time so if I lose one there's something else to to be the auxiliary power for my depression and fear and anxiety that's totally how I operate I, I, with the dopecon I did that West Virginia thing right before it oh so that's I did, right i, I, I I emceed the, the Appalachian Healing Festival in West Virginia, which was, like, the biggest honor. And then the next weekend was DopeCon, And then there was something else right there. Like, right now I'm in a little bit of a lull. And, um, but I'm just trying to stack shit up so I don't have to face myself. Dude, you know? I think maybe right.
0: that is what I do. And maybe I'm just currently in a lull because, like... It's like my if you ask my wife, I'm like the busiest person ever and like I'm always doing stuff, something or like organizing something or being involved in something. And it's like I'll I'll do that forever and then I'll get super just overwhelmed and frustrated and I'll just want to quit everything and then I'll chill for 2 days and get incredibly depressed and restless and be like, "Okay, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something." I don't I don't think it's like a I don't I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing though.
1: I think it's a good thing. I I mean, I pay attention to what you're doing and like, you're always doing something. I mean, you're, you're painting total art shows like once a quarter and, and bringing them to these comic cons. And, and I, I mean, like, it's like, I know, I think it's a good thing. I think that anything that's keeping you and I from totally destroying ourselves is a good thing.
0: That's a very fair point because that it's a, it's a ton of energy that has to go somewhere. But it's like I'll go through weird cycles of wanting to do everything, and things are clicking, and then I, I think maybe like my I'm bad with expectations, and I mean I'm, I'm imagine you're the same way. It's like I, I have to really because something like the DopeyCon or I feel like it would be. I'd have to really try. it was almost like I, I, I compared to like my wedding day where it's like everyone told me, like, make sure you enjoy it and try to stay in the moment because right. it's going to be over before you know it. And that's what I really right I'm good with planning and build up, and then I struggle with enjoying the thing that I built. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Well, but I, I always keep expectations at a total zero. <laughs> you know, like with DopeyCon, I didn't think people were going to come. Even when it was sold out, I didn't think people were going to come. And then I thought it would suck. You know, I was certain it would be very uncomfortable and would totally suck. That, that was my expectation going into it. And then it was, it was really good. You know what I mean? Like, it was great. Everybody, like, I was so nervous. And then I ran into, like, three dopey fans outside of the building. And it was like, it was like oh, my God. It was like, because I never met these people. You yeah. know what I mean? And, like, I've been doing the show for four years. They know me. I hear. I I knew who they were. I I messaged with them a little bit, but I never met them. And it was like I knew them though. As soon as I did,
0: you know, it's like
1: old friends you never met. It's the coolest thing. It
0: it it is, and it's it's still weird. Yeah, that's. I've only met a handful of podcast listeners in real life, and like like Scott's one of them. We become really good friends, but. Even now, like some newer people in like AA or like people I work with are like, Hey, I listened to your show and it did this, that, and the other. And it's still, it's like an odd disconnect. Podcasting is very, very weird in in that it's a, a lot of times it's like existing in a vacuum and you're like, You know, is anybody listening? But you don't realize that like you have these people that are like fervently listening and really feel connected to you. And it's hard to, like, I guess the uh, convention is a great way to make that, like, that point land.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, it's still, I mean, like, when Chris and I started it, it, we didn't think anybody was listening. And and very few people were. And then even as more and more people told us they were listening, it still didn't feel like they were. And then even, I mean, even when they show up, it's like you can't believe they're listening. You know what I mean? I still do the show. We're about to hit 3 million downloads like this week. We're going to hit 3 million downloads this week. And I still feel like that. (laughs) I still very much feel like it's like just a thing. Like with, with, like, you see all these people talking about it and whatever, but it still feels totally not like what's really happening, you know? But it's also because I I ride the commuter train every day and I have a job that I do every day. Yeah.
0: And my life
1: is completely disconnected. From all things Dopey.
0: Dude, speaking of which, yeah, me and speaking of John, too, we both agree that your Cats' Deli show is fucking gold.
1: Yeah, I, ne- I never, you know, one time on the show, one time on Dopey, I mentioned it. Like It was like in the, the first 20 episodes, like uh, I mentioned it because I thought Dopey was going to end then and nobody was listening to Dopey. So, so I mentioned the name of the web series in this one episode and just hoping people would watch it. And I never mentioned it again. So like it's not in Dopey World, but it, it was it was like that was like the joy of my life fucking doing that thing. I, it how, was just the most perfect thing I ever did. How did you so even perfect. get your
0: restaurant to agree to that? Like how, like I'm, I was trying to think of the logistics of all that. Like it was I was like how do like like you it made your job seem very
1: uh, good. Oh, that's funny because it's the opposite. You know, the, the, the fact the, the deal was the deal was there was, um, there was I, I had started working there and I didn't think I was going to work there, but the place was such a spectacle that I wanted to shoot something there, and uh, and I started shooting the Dominican guys working behind the counter, and I wanted to call the show "Behind the Counter," like behind the music. Oh so yeah, you perfect. Call it "Behind the Counter," perfect. but like the Dominican guys sucked on the show they were like hamming it up and like acting stupid and not being themselves. And then, and, and the way they are themselves is they're argumentative and they're fiery and they're am- like very dynamic and amazing. And I realized the only way I was going to get them to be the way they were was for them to yell at me and to like give me shit. So like the idea, and I hated the job so much that I love to give the customers shit. So like my friend was like, you have to be in the show so we made a show about a waiter who hates waiting tables, who wants to do a talk show. Do a talk show while he was waiting tables, and it came out pretty good. You know, it I mean, did. Did I, did like nobody
0: see it? Like, like that that that's something I feel like like somebody, some executive somewhere would have picked up.
1: No, dude. I mean, like, I, I remember within a month of doing it, uh, an executive from Warner Brothers called Katz's to talk to me. And uh, he was interested. And I actually got a deal with the, the guy who kind of invented Anthony Bourdain's show. And, uh, and they shot a pilot, or they shot a sizzle reel with me, but it wasn't good. They shot a, I'll send it to you. They okay. shot a sizzle reel with me. It was this dude who did Anthony Bourdain's show. They didn't want to do it the way I wanted to do it. They, uh, wanted, they wanted it to be like Duck Dynasty, and I wanted oh, to talk what? to the camera. I wanted it to be like Gary Shandling show, and they wanted it to be like Duck Dynasty, and they made it, they made it more like Duck Dynasty. But they did a scene in rehab in the thing they made. where I, You remember my old blue cheese story? I do. Yeah, so they, we shot the blue cheese story in front of a rehab in Brooklyn with some Mexican actor, and it's pretty funny. I'll send it to you.
0: Yeah, I mean just just the just the set yeah, please do. Just the setups of like you just like completely slamming customers and then the quick cut before you even see their reaction was just like that's good stuff. That's good stuff.
1: I I'm wish like it's like this.
0: somewhere somewhere dude, I blame Crystal Meth, but like I used to be and this was like this was around the time. CKY and Jackass came out and and this was pre-YouTube and this was like what this I would have been like a junior in high school and um we had you know cameras had just gotten small or whatever and so we just started filming, you know, uh kind of like Billy on the street type of stuff of just or kind of like what yeah. you were doing of just like, you know, basically uh, what you would call harassment today, and like, you know, just <laughs> yeah. fucking with people. And I had no it was, it was just fearless. I had no judgment. I could just do whatever, and it was everything for a laugh. And somewhere along the line, I've, like, lost that, and I developed, like, a weird social anxiety or, like, hyper-focused on what people are thinking about me. And, like, that's what I've been trying to – I think that's why I really, like, I loved drugs when it would put you in that sweet spot of, like, you're in the pocket of, like, you don't give a single shit about what anybody thinks, and you're funny and charming and – Yeah, I miss that.
1: Well, I think uh, it's it's because you're an adult. I mean, you're you're I mean, it's like you put yourself down for it, but it's like it's because you're responsible and you're being measured and you're thinking about like your impact on people. You know, like when I did that thing, like I wasn't sober. Oh, okay. Sober, I wasn't sober doing that thing. I was. I wasn't high. I was like in stonerdom. You know, and I didn't give a fuck. And I loved, I loved. I also just thought it was like the ultimate comedy to not give a fuck, to have the waiter be a dick. You know what it I is. mean? Like that's always it's like it's like. It's, also, I hated the job so much, Jed. I fucking hated that job. And I, and I loved. It was the job you love to, to hate. You love to hate. You know what I mean? Like I just, I really, I relished that. And I also like, it's like it is not when I fuck with people nowadays. I don't take it to the extreme that I used to because I'm sober, because I'm in recovery, because I do not want to put somebody in a in, a, in an uncomfortable position. When we were making the show, dude, in reality, not in the show, like people left the store crying. People no way. No, yeah, it was it was it was, <laughs> it was it got crazy. You know, I'd get into fights. It was crazy. You know, it was like it would go to these places because I because I wouldn't break character, you know what I mean? Like, and I, um, and like, it just, I was like, you're stuck in this thing with me. Like, it was like, I remember one girl, like there was a party of five or something and, and, and there was a girl and, she, and everybody ordered fries. And the girl was like, I want to get an order of fries too. And I said, I'm not getting you an order of fries. And she said, well, why not? And I said, well, there's plenty of fries on the table. You can share with them. And she's like, but I want my own fries. And I said, I don't care what you want. I'm not getting your own fries. I said, why are you so spoiled? I said, share their fucking fries. And she started crying at the table. And she was like 15, and it was her birthday. Oh, no. You know, and it was like, oh, you know, it was terrible. I I made a vet cry once. You know, Dave. He wrote a letter to the store saying he had just finished his tour of duty in Afghanistan, Afghanistan. And like he shouldn't have to be able to come back to America and be treated like that. And like oh he was God. right, it was not sober action. It was not the next right thing, Jeff. Okay. That. Well, well, that changes. Funny.
0: That changes. Okay. That makes yeah, more sense. You're right. yeah. I, th- I think and it's then, also because it's like a a a. Uh, it's like a server's wet dream. It's like everybody that's worked in food service has that like wish you could just have carte blanche to just say whatever you want to customers.
1: Right. Well, that was also the only thing that I had going for me is there's a tradition in Jewish delis that the waiter is a dick, and really? the waiter is gonna is gonna give it to you straight. It's an old Jewish New York City tradition. I, when I was a kid, uh, I worked at Katz's, and and uh, I uh, I worked every position in Katz's. But before we started, I uh, I, I I got a job there handing out flyers. Right. And uh-huh. it was me and two of my best friends. And we would go on the street and we'd hand out flyers. And they would pay us by feeding us. And and you go up to the guy, this, the meat cutter, and you ask for a sandwich. And me being like an old-time Jewish New Yorker, even as a kid, I was like, give me a pastrami on rye. And my, my next friend says, give me a pastrami on rye. And the third guy was like a weirdo. And he didn't realize how things are in the Lower East Side of New York. And he says, I'd like a turkey on white with Bavarti cheese, please. And the guy goes get the fuck out of here. He started screaming (laughs) at him. And like, we all thought it was the funniest thing, but it made an impression. You know what I mean? Like, that's the tradition. So, I like, I did that, you know?
0: Oh, dude, that, no such tradition like that exists in the South that I'm aware of. Ah, well, actually, I take that back. I guess there's a few, like, a few, like, soul food kitchens where it's just like, you, you get what you get, you don't order, like, you don't get, yeah, it's like, Hey, I want this. Would know this, and they're like, "No, you don't." Like, no. Here, you're gonna get exactly. the, You're gonna get the special, and that's that, and it's gonna be good.
1: It's gonna be great.
0: It's gonna but be that's great. the way it's
1: supposed to be. It's the way we make it, and we know how to make it, and you're gonna eat it, and you're gonna like it, and and do not resist. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if you yeah, if, yeah, you yeah. know, and if you go along with it, you're gonna appreciate it. You know, and like it, it takes like you know, spoiled people like don't you know, but then like. You know, I was such a dick, and people had dietary restrictions, and I wouldn't listen to them. <laughs> <It was great. laughs> Someone's
0: like, "No, no, you don't understand. If I eat this, I'm going to die." Well, like, I guess you're going to die yeah. then, you dumb bitch. Yeah,
1: eat exactly, exactly. Oh, eat that's up, good
0: stuff. Eat up. Exactly. What, what exactly. uh? So, what are you doing for? Oh, you don't. Well, okay. You're in a. You're in a. What would it be called? A, a split faith family. I don't know. Is your household traditionally Jewish because you are, or does the wife kind of like? Do y'all celebrate Christmas?
1: We celebrate both. Both we celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah. You um, greedy, yeah.
0: greedy son of a bitch!
1: Well, I love Christmas. I I love Christmas. Um, I love Christmas time. I love Christmas music. I love, I love all of it. You know, I, I do um, too. Why, why do
0: you? I, I'm curious because so many people. Thankfully, I've never been one of those like, oh, I hate Christmas. I hate the holidays. And I think my reason is that it's kind of well. I've always just had really good Christmases growing up. It was always a a good memories. And then when I started using, Christmas would be tied to getting money, which therefore was tied to getting more drugs. So that was always good. And then it seemed like I would always go to rehab. Like I've been in rehab for Christmas more times than I can count. And those were were usually good because it was marked with like my sober time. So like I'm right. thinking that's why those are things that tie into why I like Christmas but like what's it tied to with you?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, New York City. I mean, I don't know what it's like uh are you in Lafayette? Yeah. I don't know what it's like in Lafayette at Christmas time, but in New York, it's like it's total like a movie. You know, everywhere you walk, it's like Christmas decorations and music and it's it's like a movie. And that's like cool. and I love I love the schmaltzy Christmas aesthetic. I love Christmas music. I love how I love the, the idea of being good to people at Christmas time. Like, I think it's beautiful. You know, I love saying Merry Christmas, even if I'm Jewish, you know, I, I also grew up with a bunch of non-Jewish friends and every Christmas I celebrated every Christmas Eve, I was someplace doing Christmassy stuff. And, um, like, um, like my sister wanted us to have a Christmas tree and my dad like was like no fucking way. That was a funny <laughs> thing. But my mother always gave us Christmas stockings on Christmas morning because she wanted us to, to enjoy a piece of it. And like, I, I think what I really liked the most about it was the aesthetic, the goodwill towards men and peace and love and all that shit. Like I, I really love it. And I also just love that it's, it's, it's like the beginning of the end of the year. And yeah. it makes the end of the year so sweet, you know. I, I mean, like, I, I feel like exactly what you said. It's so fortunate that I have such a good, positive feeling about the holidays because I love Thanksgiving. I, I do love too. building up to Christmas, and I love and I and I, I I don't love New Year's. I like New Year's when I would get fucked up. Like I don't. Yeah. Do, I, I like the I like the idea of New Year's. Like we made it. We survived another year. Kind of yeah. thing. Like I love that. I love that. Yeah, but as um, far as I
0: can't remember the last time I've done, like, a New Year's Eve party of any kind. Like, I could care less. I do enjoy blowing stuff up, though. I'm a big fireworks guy.
1: I never got. I feel like I never got to enjoy fireworks. Is it illegal um, up there? Because, yeah, it's illegal. And, and, yeah, it's totally illegal. But in Manhattan, and, and I have Jewish parents, and, like, they were very fearful of that kind of stuff. And now, like, let's say I got fireworks, Linda my wife would just take them away because she'd know that I would blow my hands off Uh, at this age. Like I wouldn't survive. Oh my God. Let
0: me, this is, this is a good, this is a good time to to tell my Christmas story that I haven't gotten to tell in a long time. So do you, do y'all have those, uh, inflatable, those really gaudy inflatable decorations people put up?
1: Yeah. we Okay.
0: So this was, this was like high school, I think. And me and, this was when we were in our our full blown uh, board delinquency stage, where we would like brick mailboxes or go mailbox ba- bashing. And every time around the holidays, when the fireworks store would open, we'd we'd buy cartons of of mortar shells, which are like the giant fireworks that like shoot yeah. up in the air and they're they're big, but they look like little grenades. And if you if you don't put them in the tube to launch them, you can just basically use them as little grenades, right? So. We were driving around and just looking for stuff to blow up, and we see one of those giant inflatable Santas, right? And so I run up and stick one right under it, and I don't know what the air that was being pumped into it was, but it was some sort of flammable gas because it blew the fuck up. I mean, blew up, and then it was just shooting fire out of the air-connected hose, and so we re- we drove off, right? We were really scared. And we're driving home and we're like, okay, we were all high. And we're like, okay, we need to go. We need to go back. We need to we need to drive back and make sure nothing happened, right? So we switched cars because we were in my friend's like eighty-eight Camaro with like super loud tailpipes. So we switched to my car and we drive back and we're cresting over this hill, and we just see an orange glow, right? And we're like, oh shit. And so we 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 round the hill and this person's entire front yard is like, a you know, a three alarm fire. <laughs> and burning. there's a, the, oh, it's just burning. And there's a tree that like has a limb that basically connects to the house. So like the house is oh, going God. up very soon. So we jump out, three of us start stomping out the fire. I run to the front door and I start banging on it. And this little girl answers... And then, like another child, and we realized that like there's a whole extended family there for Christmas, right? Grandparents, everyone. And we're like, "Hey, your I house thought, is on I fire!"
1: Thought out, I thought it turned out you were burning down the orphanage by accident. Oh it God, it, it orphan- might as well been. <laughs>
0: but listen, dude. So we 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 get we get them. They, they they you know, Grandpa comes out. They get the hose. Everyone's working together. They are put the fire out. At the end, the fucking mom is like, "Oh my God." bless you angels they tried yeah, to pay yeah. us they tried to pay right. us for saving their house and I, my, I was like no you don't understand i was like no just the kind act we have done is payment enough and we just left so that's the story of how we almost killed a family on christmas
1: wow that's crazy yeah i feel like miss we, we also like it's like oh my god to, to come so close to killing these people. But that shows like you had the spirit. The spirit was in you. You had to save save 'em. Yeah, oh you could, yeah, yeah. You couldn't We're, have you couldn't have the death of the entire family on
0: your hands. No, dude. No. Yeah. Good times though.
1: No, What's, I hear you. Uh, That's fucking crazy. That's crazy.
0: I know. I'm yeah, I had a I had a you know, I'm glad I lived a fun life, <laughs> I will say. You know? I do feel totally. uh, How's, um, how's the, how's the fam?
1: Family's good. Um, uh, the, we have, uh, you know, my older one is going to be 10 in February and the younger one is, uh, going to be two in May. And the younger one is, is, you know, she's difficult baby, but I love her. She's a good girl, but she's, she's very difficult. She like, she's getting into that terrible two place, which is trying, but soon enough she'll be talking and we'll be able to move on, be able to move forward with this thing. But things are good. Things are very very good.
0: How yeah, you're still doing that new position at work or whatever?
1: Yeah, man, that's the best. This my strategic partnership job at Cassis is the best thing ever. Uh because I don't have to, you know, abuse people anymore. Yeah. You know, I can I, I can be kind and gentle now. I mean, it's not I mean there was something I did love about the action of waiting tables, but yeah. it it's just it was just too long of a week. And too much, like, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get anything else done in my life besides yes. do that. And I it's, did it for 10 years. That's a, that's enough time. 10 well, years dude, is enough time.
0: yeah. Especially, like, uh, waiting tables, I'm not even sure if it's, like, a job conducive to someone not trying to be high or drunk or have that, even just have that, the ability to have that, like wind down beer or wine or toke after after the day like that's a tough 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 job
1: I really really thought for a lot of the time that I waited tables that I was doing punishment for the life that I had lived yeah. like literally yeah. like and I, I just and everybody agreed with me and no, <laughs> nobody ever thought nobody ever thought that I had like I had made penance you know, until finally it was done. Um, but it was, and, and like, there were years that I did that job and I got high afterwards every day. And there were years that I did that job and I got high before. But yeah. when I got sober and I did the job, it was, it, I knew, you know, I, I, I've been sober four years and a little bit, but I had gotten sober a couple times doing the job. Um, and I knew that that I needed to just work. I also like, for years when I was using, I didn't work at all. You know, I lived off an ex-girlfriend for many years. And, um, and um like, all the work I did was just really catch-up work. It was, yeah. it was the hardest. I mean, I would work 12 hours a day. I would work six days a week. I would walk literally 10 miles inside the restaurant in a shift. Oh, did you, would, like, track another, your steps? Well, the phone, yeah. The phone would tell me. Oh,
0: Jesus. Did but, you? Were you one of those people that were able to go to work dope sick?
1: No, never. Yeah,
0: me neither. I never. No. I, I've had some of those people in my life, and that that is a breed of human that that defies all logic within me. Like if I woke up dope sick, like that was the day I quit. I lose my job. Like if they don't fire do, me for not, no call, no show, then I'm I'm quitting.
1: No, I would call and I would get dope and then I would go in. You know, like yeah. I I just was like I. I I didn't live dope sick. You know, if I was dope sick, it was because I was going to try to get clean or I was going to go to rehab. You know Um. what I mean? Like there was not, I I figured out a way, you know what I mean? Like I would sell whatever I had. I would find a different dealer. If my dealer ran out, I would, I would go get Suboxone. You know, I'd go to a methadone clinic and buy a bottle. I would, I, I just, I would not get dope sick unless, um, like, I was done or trying to be done. And if I did get dope sick, it was because I was waiting for someone to give me some fucking dope. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like whatever, I, I rarely like, didn't like, you know, obviously I got dope sick all the time, but I would, I, I mean, I remember uh, before everything went really bad, I was kind of like a manager there. And, um, and I went in, I was dope sick, you know? And I went in dope sick to answer the the original question. And I called my dealer as soon as I got there and, uh, and I left work and, uh, and I bought Suboxone like on the street. And then I went in and I had, it was like that, I mean, like that's the funniest thing to me. Um, and it was a story. Uh, this, there's this musician named Michael Debar and he got, he, he was touring with Steve Jones from the sex pistols and Michael Debar was sober and Steve Jones was still using, and Steve Jones went, was dope sick in the city, and they were in New York, right? Steve Jones is dope sick. Michael Debar is sober, and Michael Debar goes out and cops for him in recovery. You know, and I said to him, I said, Whoa. was Steve Jones? I said, was Steve Jones grateful? And he said, no. And and like the truth is, every time I was dope sick, if somebody gave me dope, Suboxone, or Methadone, I was so grateful. Oh like, my god! when I, it's like I was so yes. grateful. And I also always saw it as like that great video game analogy where you're out of health, and then yeah. come and then you you find that thing, yes, you know, a mushroom or a life force or whatever, and you're back to ten. It's like that's the magic of drug addiction. You know, oh my great. god! I,
0: yeah, and when I was like, I, you know, there was a good amount of time where I was like flush with Suboxone, like that was that was that was my my currency, and this was like before it was widely available, and I got. You know I got like 300 something of them a month, so I would just I was like the altruistic suboxin fairy Or if, if my <laughs> friend was sick, I'd be like, "Come here, little buddy, I hate seeing because I do you <laughs> hate You hate seeing someone dope sick and like the, their face because I know how I felt. It's like just seeing their whole demeanor change. It's like the, the strip of suboxin represents so much to them that like their whole day is about to fucking it might as well have been their whole life is about to change and they're just like, oh, thank you. And then, and then of course Those I would ones, get the ones that would just hold on to it, be like, oh, I don't know, I still might get dope, so I'm just gonna wait before I take it.
1: Right. No, I know you were like the Oprah though. Here's the boxing for you, and the boxing <laughs> for you get a sub, you, you get a and sub I got one for you. Yeah. I love that. I remember. I remember though. I mean, my friend Todd, um, who obviously died last year or two years ago now, two years ago. Time so just is flying by. It, it um, is. He would. I would give him. I would give him Suboxone and he wouldn't take it, you know? He'd be like, I'm just going to hold on to (laughs) it. I'm just going to hold on. He was the kind of person, he was the guy, like, and this was like a weird denial thing. He was the guy that would get dope sick because in his head he wasn't really addicted because he didn't think he needed it every day. And, like, I was never like that. As soon as I started using I was like, I need to use every day. Oh, yeah. uh, It was part of But Todd wasn't like that. Todd would use three days a week. Four days a week, he'd be sick half the week every week and pretend That's he was okay. That's how fucking he Fucking bizarre. It's
0: fucking bizarre. I oh, well, I I definitely do just just in like experience alone and talking to people. I've there are like echelons and levels of of addicts, and I'm I'm just definitely because even with like my wife, it's just like she just wasn't as extreme as I was. Like she would always like go to rehab before me or like people. There was always just the people that were more junked out than others for whatever reason.
1: Chris always would talk about it like um he would call like he would say I forgot, he would say there are action addicts and then there were steady addicts or something. He had some expression because he describes himself as the action addict, but like what he would do is he would do everything he could do for like three weeks. And then he'd like Turn up homeless like on the street and he'd go to treatment for like six months. Yeah. And like I would yep. I would just use I would just use every day, like real low key, like it was just like and like watch T V or like eat ice cream or well, like you so, know, hang out. I,
0: I would have done that. I just never had the means or like the, the well, I there was like the only time I was able to do that was when I like had enough drugs to sell to support it. Like I never had the well, I think it's also different in in New York because, like, dude, the cost of heroin in Louisiana was freaking ridiculous. So, like, it right. wasn't – I mean, it, it just wasn't financially feasible. I mean, you would need, you know, like $250 a day. And, like, there just wasn't a job that I was getting hired for that I could afford that. And then there was never a right. steady supply. So, it it would right. always – like, if I did have the, the cheap drugs, the – steady supply. Yeah, that's totally doable. But it would always that's really all it would come down to is like there would be a day usually this is kind of my, my 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 um my pattern would be like I'd get a new new dealer. You know, the goose is flying high, right? I got money. I'd get a new job because my personality was incredible when I'm only like 2 weeks into right. using right. again and sure. they're like you're the yeah. best person I ever. And then yeah. one day I run out, I show up to work dope sick, and that's that. I get fired, and then there we go again. And then i got to start like doing crime to pay for it, and then it just goes downhill.
1: Right. I was listening to uh, Artie Lang's podcast, right? He had a former governor from New Jersey on who's like putting this program into effect for convicts who are dope fiends or whatever. And Artie's telling a story about copping in New Jersey. He was buying $5 bags. Fifty dollar bundles, like that dude, is mean, even insane. If bought, even if I was buying ten bundles at a time, I wasn't getting fifty dollar bundles. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you can imagine what they're paying in Philly. I bet you that everyone's buying like fucking forty dollar bundles in Kensington or something. Like, I think, I think there are places where it's just like nineteen seventy five dope. That's what I'm saying. For some
0: dude. There, there were times I've paid like fifty dollars for like point two.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Crazy, craziness. So well, maybe, I, mean, the whole I, think, thing, well, I think, well, I think we just figured it out, Dave. Like if, so if it's cheap enough, we could have done it, right? That's the solution.
1: Like that's what we're well, saying. Well, that, that was like literally like the way my brain always worked. I would yep. be like, I would be doing math every week trying to figure out how I could afford to keep it going. And that's I kept impossible. it going longer than I ever thought I could. And I also, I, but it, it put me on methadone for so long. So you know, uh, here yeah. we are. You know what I mean? Like, what did you just got? Seven years, eight years? What do you
0: get? Uh, five. God, five well, years.
1: Enough. Five years, man. It's That's like, insane. And, it and and you work with people. You're helping people. Like, it's me. yeah.
0: It's it's always it's 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 one of those I, I do have to in like times like when like you say it like that. I, it's it's so it's so surreal and it it almost seems like a fever dream sometimes. Then I have to like snap to and like look around and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm fucking married. I live in a house. I'm like responsible. And I'm, I'm actually a counselor like that. Cause I'm, I was one of those people for so long, like, Oh, you know, you just get high and just spout your big dreams, or even I'd get freshly sober and talk about all this stuff I'm gonna do, but I would never follow through with it. And so it's it's still even five years into it, it's it's so strange that like I'm doing the things that I wanted to do. It's crazy. I know
1: exactly what you mean, but that and that's but then the 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 really crazy thing is it is those things like it's the sobriety that lets you do those things. But it's yep. those things that allow you to keep your sobriety. You yeah. You know, it's like, it's, like, wild, you know? Yeah. You know, but that's, like, you know, we're very, very, very fortunate, you know? And, um, you know, just the idea that um, medicated-assisted treatment is statistically
0: this giant
1: in recovery, you know what I mean? And uh, And everybody, if you talk to people who aren't sober or who aren't addicts, they think the only way for a drug addict to survive is to be on medicated assisted treatment. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying it's possible to have a life uh, of abstinence and joy. That's all I'm yes. saying.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, absolutely. It's possible.
1: That's all How? It's possible. <laughs>
0: How how is like uh cuz I I would definitely say the last 2 years have been the hardest for my sobriety. Like how's how's all that going with you?
1: My sobriety like yeah. you know, I don't want to sound my I I I don't think about getting high. You know, I don't I don't I don't consider it um but I I think I mean I have my 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 problems and my worries and stuff, but it never I never question it with using and and I think it's mostly because I have these children. Um, these children, like if I, I, I am one thing that I'm a billion percent sure of is if I did a drug, I would need to do more of it. And, uh, and, and there is no some, there is no sometimes there is no once in a blue, there is no once in a while, you know, there is only everything, you know? And, um, and like, I was talking with Linda the other night and she was talking about her friend was having a party, right? And they were all drinking and they, they have gummy worm edibles with THC and this and that. And, you know, I'm sure some of them are doing coke and taking pills. And these are adults with children. And uh, and like, I had this little voice in my head be like, it was just like this weird sort of like, you know how you have like a committee in your head? Oh, yeah. and this one this one voice kind of stepped forward and was like, that would be fun to get high once, you know. And it's like everyone else like start kicking him in the stomach because yeah. it's like there is no once. I like know. so, like so. I don't, I don't think about it because there is no well for two reasons, or for probably many reasons. But number one, there is no once, and number two, um, like everything I have will go away. And number, but more than that, number three, I'm enjoying it. Like I, I'm on this yes. adventure. And I'm enjoying the adventure. And I know that if I start taking anything, the adventure is just going to be, how do I get drugs? That's the only, it's like I have an adventure that's all this different life. I'm going to cook dinner. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to buy my daughter a drum kit. I'm going to make dopey bigger. I'm going to do this. Or I need to get drugs. Where can I get drugs? Oh, shit, I didn't do my work. Oh, shit, I didn't go to work. Oh, shit, I'm sick. Oh, shit, I didn't pay my rent. Oh, shit. You know, my daughter isn't going to eat. It's like I'm not
0: doing that. Yeah, yeah. I've read that book. It doesn't end well. And I I always, yeah, I, I did the, I did just a little like mental exercise the other day. Or I do it periodically, just I don't, whatever. Where I was like, okay, how long if I started using again, how long before I just lose everything? And like, like with the resources I got, and this is like after five years of accumulation, it's like I'm pretty sure. I would be on the street again in like two months. Right. Exactly. And it, 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 it's like, God, like how like not worth it. It would be so fast. It would be so fast.
1: But then the other side of it is like that, that you'll lose everything. But then like, if you're fortunate enough to try to get it back, Ugh. the time, the, the time yeah. and anguish. And, and I'm just saying the other thing is like, it won't be worth it. It won't no. be that fun. I remember when I when I got sober the last time. The biggest thought in my head was the only thing I didn't get to do that I wanted to do. There were two things, or I didn't want to smoke PCP, but I never got to smoke PCP. So like <laughs> that was something, but I never really wanted to, and uh, and I never got to put liquid acid on my eyes. Uh, um, but I don't really mind. I'm okay with that. You know. Yeah. I mean? If so like, if those there are your two.
0: If those are your you know two bucket list, that's okay.
1: Then I, yeah, th- I mean, like, I didn't. I did everything else. Like, in one of my my eighteen month stints of not doing dope, my buddy had DMT, so I got to do DMT, and I was like, okay, and like, fucking, that was it. You know what I mean? Like, there is no stone unturned. And I'm not saying to anybody that like hasn't fucking shot heroin and wants to get sober that you have to shoot heroin. You certainly don't. Like, I, I just know that there is no adventure. To getting high, getting high is like shrinking my existence and my possibilities. That's
0: all. I yes, did, did I ever tell you about our um our our million dollar retirement home idea? Tell me. All right, so it's gonna be—I can't remember what we were gonna call it, like Last Stop or like Eternal Spring Break. But basically, it's gonna I be like ex- exclusively okay. for people that have been in recovery. You got to be like eighty and above, and you basically just yeah. go there. And you can do as many drugs as you want until you die and you just party. So you don't have to worry about, like, wasting all your money, like, being in, like, assisted living. You just go out. (laughs) I think that'd be
1: awesome. I'm sure you could set up a really cheap version of that called the Trap House or something. (laughs) Um, You know, like, no, and that was, like, when me and Chris met. When me and Chris met, we met in treatment. and, uh, And we were, like, kids. And we were, like, yo, wouldn't it be cool if instead of treatment... You could go to a place and just do drugs. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it is, or, or, like, or wouldn't
0: he? Yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's. Yeah, oh, no. I love
1: that. No, I know, I, dude, I love that, and I still, you know, I can talk a good game about how good my sobriety is, and I mean it. Like, I'm very, very satisfied and happy. But like, damn, you know, I definitely would like to get high when I get old. You know, I, I would just like to be a stoner, an old man stoner sitting on my porch and, you know, like reflecting. And yeah, then, like, and, and, and it's that-
0: like it, at that point you don't even like you don't even have the mobility or energy to even fuck anything up, right? I mean, it's like literally. I, right. I've it's had gone. those I guess it'll I guess it'll depend on my mental state at that age cuz it, it it wouldn't be cuz I've always I have that debate with like rehab kids all the time or something like all oh, I'll start a group with, like, if you had one day left to live, what would you do? And inevitably, most of them are like, oh, I'd just get fucked up. And I'm like, I don't know. If it was a thing where it's like next week, they're like, you have one day left. I can 100% say I wouldn't get high because I, that would, I don't, I, I, I kind of want to be, I like being present and sober and I'd want to meet whatever end comes with like awareness. But, if it's something, like, and I, so I don't know if I if I should if I would take that mindset to old age and be like, well, I've gone this far. I kind of want to go out clear headed, but I guess it would depend on if I'm like losing my. If I don't even know where I am anyway, I guess it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I have reservations for old ageness, but if it was like this week, I def. I mean, like I would spend if it was this week, right? And I was gonna die. I would want to spend, like, if it was a day that I knew was my last day, I would want to be with my family way more than I would want to get high. But in the back of my head, it'd be like, I'd like to take a shot 10 minutes before it was done or something. (laughs) But that's fucked up. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's that. I'm I'm not sure. I think the, uh, when I've noticed the appeal, the only, the only appeal, the only teeth, that like addiction has left with me and it's probably a delusional i'm sure it's a delusional thought but it's it's i i do miss there's there's that there's like that week or like five day period and this is from my experience of i would usually be like kind of forced not forced into treatment but i had no other option except get sober unless i just wanted to be homeless and miserable right and so it was living in sober houses and this pressure. And so there was always this super feeling of just shrugging off responsibility and freedom and just like, ah, okay, I can just do me now. And granted it only lasted like five days, but I do find my mind it's, And usually I guess it's when I'm just like overcome with stress and fucking responsibility. And like, you know, I've had to re-sign up for health insurance this year. And stuff like life stuff like that still just drives me insane because I don't know how to do it, man. I don't know 401ks and taxes and insurance and dental appointments. And it's like those are the times I find my mind being like, wouldn't it be nice to just like not worry about any of that and just go live under a bridge? But that's my that's how my craziness manifests these days.
1: Right? Yeah. But the and the second you do it, like forget four hundred one ks, you're not going to be able to do anything. You know, I, yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea how four hundred one ks work, and half of the stuff you just said, I have no idea how it works, and it boggles my mind with struggle to do any of it. But um, but. You know, I, I think for me, like these fucking kids. If I, it's like I, and it's not because of them. It's not because of my children. It's because I don't want to be that guy to them. Yeah. I, I, I. Or be that guy to me. You know, that was the end of it for me. It was that like here I am. I've 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 lived a long life of of total childhood debauchery, whatever, and and now I'm gonna have a kid and I'm gonna be this fucking lay about this junkie lay about with with a woman complaining that i'm a deadbeat with my own father who's the most responsible generous person ever i was like i can't do it you know i could not live with it so i didn't and now i struggle with those those with a lot of life things but as long as you're fucking sober you you can do them okay you know obviously i don't do them perfect but i do them good enough that i don't have to it's done you know, I don't let shit pile up around me for the most part. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had a, I had a couple of it's funny because like when I did that show at Katz's, I set up a, an LLC and uh, thinking that it was going to be this major brand. OK, and I never set up an LLC for Dopey and Dopey's lasted four years and that show lasted for like a month. <laughs> anyway, um, fucking so I, I, it was a collection agency that just came after me about that LLC. And I was like, what the fuck is this? and i was like you know what i don't even care and i just paid it and i was like now i don't have to worry about that again and it's like that's what sobriety is for me now it's like okay put this in front of me i'm going to get it out of my way and i don't have to worry about it anymore and um and like i don't like the truth is i don't have much time for myself you know i but i but i don't know what i would do if i did yeah I maybe maybe that's probably. a good thing i i think so i i remember you texted me about um that show, the watchman. And we were talking about the Watchmen, And I'll tell you the, the, the besides like beautiful, like family time with my baby or with my nine year old, like the times that I love the most are those like serious relaxing times. And, mm-hmm. and this is where I find my relaxation. It was one morning. It was a Monday morning. It was probably six in the morning. And I was on the commuter train from Long Island into Manhattan. And I was like, I'm going to watch the watchman. And I put the watchman on my computer, and I felt, like, that bliss. Like, the bliss. Uh, like, that old yep. bliss. And oh, yeah. Like, and it only lasted fucking 50 minutes on the train. And I was so upset when I got to Penn Station. But, like, and but because the time was so limited, I got to really maximize that feeling, you know?
0: Oof. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, well, it's right. like, I
1: Idle time, idle hands, or whatever that shit. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, you're right. I think that's why. Um, yeah. Hopefully, kids will be in my future before too long. That's still the plan.
1: Well, and also, just even if it's not children, it's all your shit. It's busyness. I, I believe that busyness and interest and anything to take your mind off of yourself is the key. Uh, and I believe that for anybody who's struggling. Uh, or not struggling. Anything to take your mind off of yourself is everything.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, dude, I think that's a good uh, that's a good summation. We'll uh, we'll we'll stop it there. So, want you, a beautiful um,
1: person, Jed. You're a beautiful
0: Jedi. person, buddy.
1: Uh, here we are. Just just two beautiful guys yakking it up around Christmas.
0: Amen, brother.
1: Darkness may lie. side